Well, today we continue a series entitled Defining Moments. We all have these defining moments in our lives, that moment where you might decide whether to finish high school or not, whether to graduate, and it makes a difference in kind of the direction that you're headed. That defining moment, whether to go to college or not to go to college, and if you choose to go to college, what college you'll choose, it's a defining moment. It was a defining moment for me because I chose Mount Vernon Nazarene University because of God's call upon my life. I fell in love with a young girl named Debbie, and uh, that was another defining moment in my life, and I asked her to marry me. In 33 years, this May 19th, we'll be married, and uh, we've had a wonderful journey together. It was a defining moment, and yet the most significant, the most important defining moment in my life was that moment when I became a follower of Jesus Christ. It, It changed my direction forever. I was walking in the things of the world. But when I accepted Christ, I began to walk towards His righteousness and His holiness. And He began to do a work in me that was transforming. He gave me a a fresh start, a new beginning, a, a new life. The old was gone, the new had come. And as I began this journey of faith, I began to learn more and more about my Lord and Savior and grow in wisdom, grow in maturity. Oh, I had some difficult days. Days that I struggled, and yet God was faithful and continues to be faithful through and through. We all have defining moments in our lives. But today we're going to look at the story of Thomas. He's often considered uh, doubting Thomas. And we're going to look at his story today. Actually, today's message is a little more topical than, a, than my typical message, which is more expository. Uh, so we'll have a little bit of both today. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse beginning, reading at verse 24. How many of you brought your Bibles with you today? Let me see those. It's great to see all those Bibles. Appreciate you bringing them each week. John chapter 20, begin reading at verse 24. Now Thomas, called Didymus, who was one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Now, Jesus, remember, after the resurrection, that Sunday evening, he appeared before the disciples in that room. They were locked behind closed doors, and Jesus just shows up. Now, we don't know why Thomas was not there. It could be that Thomas was really struggling because, like the other disciples, he ran, fled for his own life. Maybe he was embarrassed and and just didn't want to show his face. Maybe it was that because Jesus died, it was obvious that he was not going to be the king, an earthly king. And, and so Thomas probably might have felt like, I need to get back to work. I, I have responsibilities. I, I need to get back to my regular routine. We don't know why Thomas wasn't there that first Sunday evening after the resurrection. We just simply know that he wasn't there. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Now, it's interesting to me that you have 11 of your, 10 of your closest friends who you've walked with for three, almost three and a half years, they say, hey, Thomas, we saw the Lord. And yet he still had doubts. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, eight days after the resurrection, that second Sunday evening, They were in the house again, and Thomas was there with them. Though the doors were locked, 
And of course, we know from last week, they were behind locked doors because they were afraid for their own lives. Jesus came and stood among them. Just shows up. The door's locked, and yet he shows up in the midst of them. Then he said to Thomas, said to them, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord, my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are you who have not seen. And yet, I believe. Let's pray. Lord, we pray for your anointing upon this message today. I need your help, your strength. Speak, Lord. We're listening. As we look through the Word of God, I pray that you would speak to us today. Help us to understand a little more clearly how to deal with life when we have our doubts. When we struggle with life. Help us to be a people who trust you. Speak to us today through your word, and we ask this in your name. Amen. I have a question for you today. Do you doubt? Are there times in your life where you doubt? Do you struggle with issues of faith? Are there moments where you wonder, is this real? Am I really here? Do you, do you doubt life itself? You see, we all doubt to one degree or another. Some probably struggle with it more than others. At one point or another, we all ask ourselves, does this life of faith, does it really work? Does it really make a difference? Am I making a difference in the world? College students often often struggle with issues of faith. They tell us that when a student graduates high school, two-thirds of those who profess to be Christians, who say they are born-again followers of Christ, Two-thirds of them will not claim to be Christians after four years of college. You see, the college years are a difficult time for students often struggle with issues of faith. They wonder, is it worth me standing up for the things of God? Is it worth me standing out in the crowd and not going and being a part of the party atmosphere and the party lifestyle? I want to tell you something. It's worth it. I want to encourage you today to keep the faith. When you struggle with doubt, I want to encourage you to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. When you struggle, I want you to put your hand in his hand. Spend time in the Word. Spend time in prayer. And walk with him. We struggle with issues of doubt. Maybe you're trying to live a life of faith in your workplace. And you're wondering to yourself, is my life making a difference? Am I having an impact Does it really matter my following Christ? Or do they just think I'm weird? I want to encourage you today to be salt and light where God has planted you. You see, you may be the only person that is light to the lost and dying world that you work around. You may be in a very difficult environment, a work environment that is uh, oppressive, And it's difficult for you to be there, and yet you need to be there. 
allow God to use you. You see, I think we struggle. My son a few weeks ago said, Dad, I feel like my life, I feel like I'm not making a difference. I said, Ryan, what do you mean? He said, well, I go to work. I just feel like I'm not making a difference. What does that mean, Ryan? Well, I went to this men's retreat. And I came back and I feel like my life, it doesn't make a difference. I said, Ryan, you know, you can make a difference wherever the Lord plants you. This summer he's going to go work at a camp because he feels the Lord leading him to do that. But we struggle with these issues, don't we? Issues of faith. Am I making a difference in this world? So our primary thought today, our primary question today is, how do we respond in times of doubt? For we all doubt. Like everyone else, I go through seasons where I doubt myself. I doubt my effectiveness. I doubt my giftedness. I doubt whether I'm making a difference. All of us do at one time or another. We struggle. But what do we do in the times of struggle? You see, God has chosen to use ordinary men just like you and me. God has chosen to use ordinary men and women just like you and I to make a difference for the kingdom. Acts 4.13 puts it this way. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. God chooses to use you and me to make a difference. In times of doubt, I want to encourage you to keep your eyes on Jesus. In times of doubt, I want to encourage you to trust Him for your tomorrows. You see, doubts can be dangerous if we handle them wrong. We can allow doubts to flood into our lives and influence influence us in such a way that we make wrong decisions. Think about Abraham and Sarah. God had promised them a child, but 10 and 15 years had passed and still the promised child had not come. And so what did they do? They began to control and manipulate their situation. They take matters in their own hands. And so Sarah offers to Abraham an Egyptian servant girl, Hagar. And, of course, they have a son, Ishmael. But this was not to be the promised child. It was through Isaac that Abraham's descendants would be named. Or Moses. Moses doubted his ability. He doubted his ability to speak. He said, Lord, I I, I have a thick tongue. I have a difficult time communicating. Or Gideon. Gideon's trouble, well, he doubted his ability as well, but his was kind of more of a social economic struggle. He said, of all the 12 tribes of Israel, my tribe is the weakest. And I am the least of the 12 tribes. You see, throughout the scriptures, we find men and women who God used in extraordinary ways to make a difference for the kingdom, who struggled with issues of doubt, struggled with issues of insecurity. They are just like us. We look at the story of Peter. When Jesus came walking out on the water, it's found in in Matthew chapter 14, verse 28. Peter said to to Jesus, Lord, if it is you... Tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. Then Peter 
got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And he began sinking. And he cried out, Lord, save us. Save me. We are much like Peter. We, we, we step out on faith. We, we want to trust God, but when the winds come and they blow on us, and we look around and we see the seas that are all swelling around us, we look down and we begin to doubt. You see, we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of your faith. Teenagers, I want to encourage you to continue to run the race. Keep the faith. In times of doubt, you will have them. It's a part of our humanity. It's a part of reality. And it's okay to have doubt. You're in good company. Think about it. Thomas himself doubted. When we doubt, instead of trusting, we tend to, well, we tend to criticize instead of praise. When we doubt, instead of trusting, we tend to assume the worst Instead of the best. How many of you at one time or another begin to spiral out of control thinking about all the what ifs? The doubts overwhelm you and you begin to think all the what ifs of life and you're swallowed up by it. When we doubt instead of trust, we tend to talk instead of listen. When we doubt instead of trust, we we tend to micromanage instead of empower. We try to control and manipulate our situation. Instead of doubting, instead of trusting, when we doubt instead of trusting, we tend to control instead of release. Okay, God. Doubts can be dangerous if we handle them the wrong way. So what I want to say to you today is, in times of doubt, keep your eyes on Jesus. Trusting. You see, a lot of times we we get to that place and we just want to give up. We're overwhelmed by our doubt and we, we want to throw in the towel. And I want to challenge you to keep the faith. Zig Ziglar once said there's a difference the difference between a big shot and a little shot is that the big shot keeps on shooting. <laughs> it's true of our faith. The difference between one who follows Christ and and stays committed is the one who who keeps his eyes on Jesus and keeps trusting God for his or her future. I want to tell you something. It works. In times of doubt, don't throw in the towel. In times of doubt, don't allow yourself to be discouraged. M. Scott Peck said it this way, Life is difficult. Once we learn this great truth, life becomes easier. When we realize that we will struggle, that we will have valleys in life, life becomes easier. Because we expect it. We know it's part of our humanity. And we learn to trust in God who's bigger than what's the matter in our life. Doubts can also be dangerous if you ignore them. We need to listen to those voices of doubt. You see, it's not honoring to God to bury your head in the sand and blindly accept things because we think that's what Christians are supposed to do. It's okay to doubt. We serve a great big God. 
When you go through that valley in life, it's okay to say, God, I don't understand this. This makes absolutely no sense to me. I had a friend recently say to me, Rex, I'm just angry at God. And I said to her, it's okay. We serve a great big God. And you can tell him that you're angry. You see, we go through doubts, and it's okay to express those doubts. Few would doubt that John the Baptist, who was committed to God, who was a part of a family of priests, who lived out in the desert eating locusts and honey, who preached, repent, and many were were baptized. He challenged the authorities of those around him. He was a prophet who foretold the coming of the Messiah. He was the one who baptized Jesus. And yet we find John in a prison. And he's going through a period of doubt. You see, we're in great company when we realize that we go through these periods of doubt. He asked, are you the one? Or should we look for someone else, speaking of Christ? Jesus' recommendation to the disciples was to go back and tell them all that has happened. He was saying, look at the big picture. You see, it's important that we understand stories like John the Baptist. Because a lot of times, we live in a society that says, if you're a Christian, your life will be perfect. If you do this, then this will happen. But the truth is, we go through valleys and hardships and difficult times. Some of you work in some environments that are so ungodly. You don't know how you make it week in and week out. You work in a valley. And yet, that's where God has called you at this point in your life. And John... He was in this difficult period of his life, and, and he doubted. And the Lord said, look at what is happening. The miracles, the people's lives are being changed. Helped him to focus not on his circumstance, but focus on the bigger picture, that which was eternal. Of course, we know that John would eventually give his life for the cause of Christ, as well as all the disciples would die unnatural deaths except for John for the cause of Christ. You see, doubt can be healthy if we handle them in the right way. If we acknowledge that we have doubts. When we go through a time of doubt, we can gain greater insight. We can mature in our faith, a greater intimacy with the Lord. That's why it's okay for us to express our doubt. Lord, I don't understand this. Because He will help us through those periods in our life. Remember that what Jesus said to His disciples... In this world, you will have trouble. John sixteen thirty three. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I, I like the way that James addresses the issue in James 1, 2. It says, Consider pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Seems like an oxymoron. Consider it joy when you face trials. And yet, James understood. James understood that when you go through trials in life, that it's often for your good. It's only then that you become mature. It's only then that you begin to trust God for your futures. You see, a lot of times, if we go through life 
And life is easy and life is handed to us on a silver platter. We don't have to work for it or earn it. We take it for granted. But when we struggle through life, we're forced, in essence, to put our faith and our confidence in a God who's bigger than our problems, bigger than our trials. It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. All of you guys, many of you guys, how many of you are athletes and just have run? How many of you are track guys, okay? You run. You know what it's like to run. And the more you run, the easier it is to run. You develop perseverance. You develop wind. And you can run long distances. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, it's important for us to understand that in this life, we are going to have some struggles. We're going to have some doubts. And if we face that reality, then life becomes easier. Not because of our strength, but because we learn to put our faith and our confidence in God, who's bigger than we are, in whom we we can trust. You see, I'm afraid that far too often what we end up doing is we put our faith and our confidence in God's identity or God's activity and not in God's identity. You see, he is the I am. He is the creator God, and he loves you. But what we do in our society is we, we say, I love God because he does this, this, and this. But in reality, we need to love God because of who he is, not because of the blessings he bestows on us. He is the creator God. I want us to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. He's given us this life. The strength to live this life comes from God. We are hard-pressed but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. When you go through those hard times, the valleys of life, can you say that? We are hard-pressed, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Verses 16 through 18, chapter 4. Therefore, we do not lose heart, Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, the activities of this world. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, the character of God. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Teenagers, I'm afraid that sometimes young people accept Christ and, and they go to camp and they make this commitment to Christ and, and then they go back to high school and they fall away. Why is that? 
well, a lot of times they hear this voice. The voice says something like this. Look at your life. Look at all the things that you've done. You can never make it as a Christian. And the voice just repeats and repeats. And finally, they give up and they throw in the towel. I want to encourage you today, don't give up. In periods of doubt, say to Satan, Satan, you have no authority over me. Get behind me. And trust Christ for your future. Trust him. You see, we give in because we get convinced by that voice. But you can tell the difference between that voice and the Lord. The Lord convicts. It's Satan who condemns. And if you hear a voice that says, says you will never amount to anything, your life in the past will never allow you to live the future that God has for you, you tell Satan, Satan, you have no authority, you have no power over me. And I'm going to put my faith and my trust in the Lord, and I'm going to keep walking with him. I've seen teenagers who who live their faith through their senior year in high school, and then they get a job. And I'm excited that Jenny got a new job, but Jenny doesn't at the youth group as much as she used to be. She's developed new friends, and now she says, I don't feel comfortable at church. And for one reason or another, she's pulled away. Doubts overwhelm her. She's listened to those negative voice. That person who's at that workplace and, and she's bombarded or he's bombarded by the negative conversations. They wonder, is it really worth it? You see, that person who struggles with how can a God of love allow this to happen? Putting our faith in the activity of God. Instead of the person of God. We do that in this world, don't we? And yet, if we could only understand how God wants to help us on this journey of faith. Read with me that scripture again, found in, in the last part of 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Would you bring that up? 16. For our light, therefore we do not lose... Yeah, there you go. 16. Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them. Far as outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We're going to sing a song, Whatever It Takes. And I don't know where you are today um, in your journey of faith. Um, but I, I just happen to believe that the Lord had me prepare this message for a purpose. It's very likely that you might be going through a period of doubt. And, and this morning you just want to come to an altar of prayer and say, Lord, I want to keep my eyes fixed on you. I want to trust you for the future that you have for me. You might want to give Satan a black eye and say, Satan, you have no authority over me, no power over my life. And I'm not going to listen to those negative, nagging voices that say I'm worthless, that I don't count, that I don't matter, that I'm not making a difference. Because if I'll trust you, and if I live as you would have me to live, 
your light will shine through me. Would you stand? We're going to sing that song, Whatever It Takes. If the Lord has spoken to you today, we encourage you to come.